Okay. Um, so uh, troubleshooting relationships. Uh, I think this is a very important topic. Um, I think it's I, you know it's self understood why it's an important topic because we all um, encounter many relationships in our lives. Um, obviously. Uh, the more important ones are the personal relationships, not just the professional relationships, but the, the, the you know the people that you want to share your life with. Um, additionally, I think there's also you know the other kinds of relationships that we don't really focus on enough, and that's like the idea of uh, relationship with oneself and relationship with God. Um, I have particular affinity to this idea because uh, my grandfather, at the age of sixteen, wrote a book. Uh, you know, just talking about these three different relationships that someone encounters in their life, you know, between man and oneself, man and his fellow, and man and God, which is just, you know, just an idea of these, these are the three kinds of relationships that people encounter. Uh, and, and this is kind of what we have in life, you know, what, what do you really have in life? What you have is you have your family and you have yourself and you have the Almighty. That's what you have. You know, that's what you know. That's, those are things that you come into life with, and you end life with. That's what you know. Those these relationships accompany you throughout your entire existence. And um, in every single relationship, there's always ups and downs. And in almost every single relationship, there's crises. And I wanted to think maybe we could do this as a collaborative effort. Of I want to think of you know just the the basic fundamental uh, aspects of what to do or how to repair relationship breakdowns and to prevent, God forbid, what, you know, sometimes there's, you know, relationships that, that are really good and, you know, they're, let's say two people and they, they're meant for each other and they, you know, they're compatible and everything really is fine. Uh, but for whatever reason, it goes south and some, most, many times, or, or all too often, um, it goes south and it never recovers. And I think it's important to, and, and it, some relationships are never, you know, were never meant to be. Some relationships just, you know, they, there's incompatibility. There's just, um, you know, these things were destined to fail. Those things happen. And that's a, it's a tragedy because it causes a lot of pain and anguish when people have to go through um, these kinds of periods in their life. And it's unfortunate. But it's not always like that. You know, when we talk about divorce in America, um, you know what it's a 50 60 percent it's an enormous enormous amount of people who get married get divorced uh, not all of them is a result is a result of incompatibility not all of them is a result of some 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 major event it's you know, or some you know some major catastrophe or some something unique that happened to these two people it's it's just a, there's a breakdown and it just you know just heads it heads south and it just doesn't never recovers and I think it's it's very important for us if we want to have happy, fulfilling lives and sharing lives with other people. And I think that maybe the principles could also be applied to the other relationships that we encounter. I think it's important to know what to do in the face of a relationship crisis. And what I'm going to share with you uh, tonight is what I think. It's not based on any Torah source or based on some sort of tradition that I got from my parents or my teachers or this is just what I what I thought that's why it's it's fair game if you want to disagree or if you want to add in your two cents or your ten cents or your dollar uh, I you know we all welcome that because this is just what I think and I think it's just it's, it's too important of a topic to be left to uh, the select few you agree <laughs> okay 
So um, the first thing that I thought of is obviously we're trying to get to root root causes. You know, sometimes relationships uh, they're fighting over uh, the television remote, or they're fighting over finances, or you know these are fights that are manifestations of root problems. And I always we, it's always important to not get uh, tied up with 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 the sy- symptoms and look at the cause, look at the disease. So when we see when we see a fight, there's always the superficial. Uh, they did this or they did that. They didn't have the garbage. They didn't, you know, uh, they rolled up the toothpaste from the top, the bottom, right? Those are silly things. And what I wanted, what we always want to do is try to get to the core reason, right? Try to hit the mothership. You don't want to just put the cockroaches. You want to destroy the nest, right? So you always want to go to the roots. So what I... Is there a way that we could say, is there a way to generalize, to say, what are the root causes for relationship breakdowns? And uh, I believe there is. And I believe that relationship crises are a result of breakdown in character, not circumstance. Character, not circumstance. And there may be exceptions, but I don't don't think there are. I don't think there are. I think that every time there is a a conflict, there's there's a fight, there's a disagreement, there's a breakdown... Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, when there's a crisis mode in a relationship, it's always at the core, it's always about character and character flaws on one or both sides of, of the parties and not because of circumstance. Tragedy can happen, right? There could be financial, uh, health related tragedies, there could be uh, professional related, related tragedies, there could be um, any number of things that happen. You know, you could, you lose your job or you lose your, you get into an accident or you have some sort of health, health problem, God forbid. Um, and these are things which could bring about a conflict. But at the root, you'll, I think we could, always, we could always demonstrate that that is actually not the cause of the conflict. But this brought this new scenario, this new situation might have brought up something within these the two parties, a character flaw that only surfaced only surfaced because of a certain circumstance. In a way that the circumstance could be like the the uh, the arena for exposure of character flaws, uh, but it's not the cause of of conflict. And I think this, if this principle is true, and I believe it is, but like I said, this is just what I think. If this principle is true, then it's, it's much easier to diagnose a problem. If every time there's a fight, it's a result of a certain character problem, not a situational problem, then it's much easier to diagnose the problem. And in my opinion, when I thought of this, I think it's, it's, it's kind of groundbreaking. Uh, you, you know what? Beginning of our lives, we never know what kind of situations you get involved in. You know, so many things change, and there's there's families, and there's communities, and you have kids, and kids, there's issues with kids, and all those things that people never dream of, dream of when they start a relationship. And these things come, and they and they bring with them so many challenges. And you know, and and, and like I said, these are arenas for for you know for exposure of character flaws. And um. When uh, when there's a fight, uh, or God forbid, um, you know a you know a crisis in a relationship, um, in my opinion, we could always point to someone's uh, anger, someone's impatience, 
someone's lack of, of caring, lack of empathy, uh, someone's stubbornness as a cause for the reason why there was uh, the, you know, this, this disagreement. And the problem with, with, having, a, with having a disagreement and the problem with, with having a, uh, you know, some sort of hiccup in a relationship is that typically the way relationships work is there's, there's a lot of momentum involved. It means when things are going good, they're awesome. And like and like and and and, and they feed off each other and you know and and and, and there's always a trajectory. It's typically, when it's when it's, it's heading one direction, people are more you know willing to forego and, and overlook and, and you know and things are smoothed out much easier. But once once it's you know once the God forbid if the, if the trajectory were, were to be heading south and the momentum is always south and then like you you know people bring up all these other things which are unrelated to the you know it just things get compounded. So it's so important. Um, to not have that one thing, that one trigger that brings, that ignites um, or that reverses direction in the momentum of a relationship. This is why it's so important. Because the second it goes down, and if it's not stopped and it's not rectified, it's not, it's not, it's not smoothed over, it could just go downhill. And once it goes downhill, it, gets, it, you know, it, it compounds. It's like it's faster and faster. So... Um, so this is the first the first point uh, that I, I think is true. I, I want to hear. I really want to hear feedback. I have a question. Yes. You're saying like when it's going up and it's good, it's like you're feeding off each other and good things happening. And well, that's the idea of momentum. I think everyone who's ever been involved in a relationship recognizes right. momentum. Right. You say one thing happens and just goes downhill. No. Okay. Okay. okay the, my point is is that there's always there's always a shift. The shift exactly. in the trade. The shift in the trends means my my point is that we want to always be on the upward swing. That's my point. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. I agree that it wasn't scientific the way I presented it. But I, I think that the critical idea, the first idea that I wanted to share, I wanted you know, to throw out the table is the idea of, of the root causes of conflicts are always in the realm of character flaws. What does everyone say? Who said we have to be perfect? That's why we all have, that's why we all have, that's the whole point, by, by the fact that we're human. And, and that, and that, Okay, I, what you're saying is an amazing thing. So we all have flaws, and therefore we're all prone to conflict. Shocking. Humans are prone to conflict. But the point is, is now that we know, I know that I know I know that I'm not perfect, and I'm sure everyone who knows that about themselves, right? And when I because oh, that's the human condition. It's that of imperfection, huh? Awesome. Oh, okay. Well, there's always exceptions, right? <laughs> uh, but the second you know that there's a character flaw involved. You diagnose the problem. You're halfway home. Well, once you know, okay, I was stubborn, or I was I was being impatient, or I was being lazy, or right, it's it's you're halfway home. You're, you're more than halfway home, right? Once you know the core root of the issue, and you know, like I said, obviously, because humans are prone to uh, to have character flaws, and what in Judaism we say is that that's the reason why we're here. We're here because we are flawed, and our job is to try to improve. That's the whole idea of tikkun olam. It's the the world is not a perfect place, and our job, um, you know, the Jewish people's mission, um, you know, collectively, is to bring the world to perfection. But each one of us, as an individual, you know, as a member of a family and a community, is to perfect ourselves and our families and our communities. So why are people so opposed to change? Because people that are stubborn usually stay stubborn their entire life. 
Okay, but those people... You're saying we need to improve on ourselves, but people don't want to improve Well, that's ourselves. the whole point. The whole point is that yeah. there's a struggle. That's the, that's the idea of, of Bechira, of, of, of choice, is that some people choose to change and some people choose to retain the, the inborn characteristics that they were born with. There's a problem right there. So there you go. Um, and, and those people will suffer. You know what? Those people that are resistant to change and not, not willing, they, they're inflexible, and they're not willing to examine their own character and you know to, you know put a critical lens on their own on their own activity and their own actions. Put their critical lens on the other person. Okay, that's the second point I wanted I wanted to talk about. So, like you said, Robin, everyone is imperfect, and therefore those imperfections will be magnified uh, or will come to the surface in a relationship and in, will, in moments of conflict. No, not moments of conflict. It's the opposite. The moments of conflict are a result, oh, right? Right, and and every time that there's a there's a conflict, it's always a result of some of, of, of one or both of the parties' character flaws. Now, point number two, which I think is the general rule, I can't believe everyone agrees with me. I, I, you know, like I, I've said this before, I'm ne- never sure if you know if people if I'm just saying things that are just so uh, easily acceptable, or if people are like, eh, Rabbi said whatever he says. What do you say, Trevor? I actually agree with you. Oh wow! There we go. You're on the ground. I want to. I want to hear the next point so that I can disagree. Okay. With you. Okay. Fine. Um. And the next point is that the next point is that you can only change yourself. The next point is that you can only change yourself. I've spoken. I can't tell you how many times this happened when I've I've spoken about about character and character perfection and specific characteristics. I've spoken about humility and arrogance and appreciation and all these characteristics. And invariably, I get the question, okay, how do I help someone else? Someone else you're describing like my dad or my spouse or my kids or my coworkers. And, it, and you know, because the Torah gives us the key points to like, okay, what are the characteristics? What are the things, you know, what are the criteria? Because I want to be arrogant. They do this, they do that. That's how they react, right? We, you know, we have a clear outline of what these people, how these people act. And we say, oh, I know someone, I know someone who's exactly like that. How do I help them? The point is, is that, well, there's an ironic, uh, an ironic, uh, this, uh, you know, this, uh, what do I want to say? Discrepancy here. There's an ironic discrepancy is that people only see the flaws in others. People only see the flaws in others. It's very hard for people to see the flaws, their own flaws. Oh my God. Sorry. I can't finish on I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No big deal. Oh yeah, you got the you got the air conditioning spot. <laughs> sorry, Gary, no offense. I didn't I forgot to shout at it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Smell. Totally yeah. kidding. <laughs> so the point number two was the ironic discrepancy. People notice the flaws in others and have a hard time noticing the ones in themselves, uh, while people can only change themselves and cannot change others. I'm just going to Okay. Here we go. But it's not like a bad way of changing others. I think working together, you can both change and... Yeah, they have to want to change, but I think you can make them. Well, absolutely. Change so you're, so you're, you're talking about meeting in the middle. 
So what you're saying like this. Um, you're saying like this. When, to, when someone wants to change, if they have someone helping them to change, it's that much more effective. Means you're arguing is that saying that when someone already wants to change and someone already has it in mind, the, the process of changing is either easier with someone else. I agree to that point. But to initiate change, right? They have to be the one who has to initiate the change. They have one who has to recognize that there's, there needs there needs to be a change and to you know to bring it uh, or into the forefront or to you know to kickstart it. But once you're ready, you know once you're ready, once you're ready signed up for for change, it's way easier to ban- you know because it's hard it's hard to diagnose yourself. It's hard to know where you're holding. What's your character? Uh, it's much easier for someone else to to pick that up. Um, uh, but but the, the the initial point number two is that you kind of really can't change someone else. Um, if they want to change and you can work together, that's way better. Uh, but if you are if you're if you're in a, a relationship that has gone south, God forbid, you also recognize that you your job is to change yourself. And point number three is is that the second you take the initiative, because well, what happens? Relationship goes south, and everyone expects the other person to change or to, or to, to make the first gesture. It's kind of like the Israelis and the Palestinians. It's like, yeah. you know, everyone's like kind of waiting for the other person to give up. It's like negotiation. Like, no one wants to be the one to, to show his cards first. To show, it's not to show his cards first, but to, to take the first step. Sure. Because, especially because they're antagonistic. The, you know, there's, there's a, you know, they're, they're antagonistic to each other. Why should I be the one to to bend? Why should I be the one be I be the one to? Uh, so people recognize that they have problems. People recognize that there's things that they used to do in the past that they don't do anymore, and that, you know there's things that they used to overlook. And be able to you know be more malleable and be more flexible. But people because they're antagonistic, they don't want to make the first jump. They want to, they want the other person to do it. Well, they want you to got, prove that, that the other person has interest in in reconciliation. Well, I think typically you'll both of them have interests. It's just the question is who's going to be the who's big be the, boy? Who's going to be the winner and who's going to be the loser? Right. You know what? It's, been, it's crazy. I mean, we're so nuts. <laughs> As a people, we're just crazy. Yeah. You said it. It's similar, like, a leadership goes south, gosh, we did. So, like, okay, so the relationship's bad because it's going south, but when should the relationship end not because of conflict? Like, well, like, like I said, like I've said, Relationships and so I every relationship time. you are in, the first one you that's true. Scenario, that's true. I agree with that, um, and absolutely, that's absolutely true. The point is, is that we have to learn the skills necessary to be able to deal with relationship repair. That's the point. Now, not every relationship is meant to be. We've said we've talked about that. Some relationships should not have should not have happened or shouldn't shouldn't be started. Are you should be the continued. conflict isn't what should end it, or is something, something No, I, I don't think I don't think that a conflict. Based upon character, should end it because that won't even help. The next, the next relationship would be the same thing. These are some people that have been unsuccessful in, in multiple relationships, and it's not because they just they, they just struck out, so to speak. They, you know, they just never met someone, never met them. They just you just never met the right person. Never, never. That's not what it is. They met the right person. Yes, yeah. he isn't the right person. <laughs> So yes, um, some relationships should be stopped because it doesn't make sense, or because, and especially what I, I think this is more valuable once you're already invested in a relationship. There's, there's always a point in time where like there's where, where there's like the um, knowledge of both both sides that this is serious, this is real, right. this is like it develops a, a certain you know seriousness in a relationship, and then you kind of want to preserve it. 
you know? So there's like tips for preserving some minutes actually a real relationship. Well, as I say, it's it's relationship troubleshooting. Right, right. Developing relationships is a separate topic. And how to develop relationships that are rebuilt to last. Right. But the point is, is that, in my opinion, out of the 50% of people that get divorced and the 80% of the people that are miserable in their marriage, right? Because there's 30% who either stay stay for the kids or it's too expensive to get divorced, right? Um, a lot of that could be avoided. That's my that's my point. Some of it can't be avoided, right? A lot of it could be avoided if people knew these these uh, uh, these principles. That's my that's that, that's the point. So we're going at the forty percent or fifty percent of people that could have a very fulfilling relationship, but unfortunately they don't because we should go south. Okay, so I, I kind of think that you have to change yourself. That's that 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 that, that, that you cannot expect someone else to change. You have to be the one who takes the first step. And typically, if it's a serious relationship and it's really, you've had your very good times and you've had your bad times and you've worked through conflicts before together, and, you know, you guys are both in it for the long term, typically each party is looking for the other person and then they're willing to reciprocate. It's much easier to reciprocate than it is to initiate. Right? But the How truth do you is, recognize those characters? Huh? After you point out by your partner, or every time you have a fight, it's like I'm doing something wrong. So that's 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 point number. That's point number. You never think you are. So yeah. I'm always wrong now. No, no. So, so you're working on what you can change. But well, how do you recognize what those things are? Because someone tells you. <laughs> I think it's about being like, <laughs> or the, it's being self-reflective. Well, how is that? No, it's, it's being like, 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 I'm not going to tell you. Introspective, you know. You got to like. Only you can bring about the change, but if someone tells you what you need to change, and you give us a real thought. That, that's I don't easy know. Thought. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You can, like, reflect on your, your whatever conflict you're in. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe this isn't working. I need to try it another way or something like this. If you have some idea, but um, there's another level, like I said, where, you know, unfortunately, we're blind to our own character flaws. Right. Right. And I think. Like when you're in a situation where somebody on the other side of the table is saying, "Oh, you know, you were you were real lazy," and like that's you know, you are you were you, know, you should be more patient. And they're the one defensive, that, and, they're, and, and then you get defensive, and it's like counterintuitive. So, like I think it's all, it, you have to be self-reflective and realize. When, so you, which you're hard because you're right. blind to your own. You can be very blind to you. <laughs> So we have the uh, statement of Rabbi Israel Salanter, who was a, like one of the biggest Jewish personalities of the 19th century. And he spearheaded a movement called the Musa movement, which is the, the whole idea of character perfection and ethical refinement. And as he, basically he developed the whole scientific method of how to diagnose and address and treat and all character flaws. And he said is that to actually change, to actually have uh, self-transformation, to become a person who was lazy, a person who's not lazy anymore, or any character flaw. People have uh, temper, or right, whatever it is. Right, people are haughty. All the character character flaws. To change that, it's easier to finish the entire Babylonian Talmud, which is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous piece of scholarship for someone to do it, and than it is to, to really change, fundamentally change a character. Right. Um, so yes, it's not so easy to do. The point is, it's not so easy to do. But, I think it's, uh, I think but it's, it's almost impossible in some cases. It's not almost impossible. It's, it's not impossible if you don't recognize it. I think that's what I mean more. 
Now, what he was referring to is total transformation. What there's also there's also ways to like mask it. It's it's if if, if someone has temper, so the best thing would would be for them to go through like a ninety day program to like a, uh, you know like to, every time they find themselves you know becoming yes. right. So they, they 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 take you know they do they count to ten or what again. They, right. So that's a way to mask it. To mask it. That's a way to mask it. But that but that would be very effective. Sure. Because they what? may still be angry people, but it's not it's not expressed to the whole world, and it doesn't cause for there to be conflict. You don't let it out. Huh? I mean, you gotta catch it on the tent. I don't know. Or whatever. It's like, like, you, I, mean, I feel like oftentimes angry, it's like you get bent up in like the situation, yeah. and then it's just like, like you say, yeah, right. momentum, it kind of like feeds off of each other. Okay, so so if you're, if you're it's angry. It's more too with your emotions and what's happening when you're having an argument and slow it down and kind of figure it out. What he's talking what about is isn't necessarily yeah. stopping the impulse from happening, but it's not dismissing that. It's confronting, or or cha- channeling it to someone else other than you know you know don't you know don't bring all your dirty laundry bring it home don't bring your dirty laundry home is that, is that, is that no, don't air your don't air out your dirty laundry don't air your dirty laundry at home no it's like don't like don't air your dirty laundry it's like whatever happens at home don't like air it out to the world I say the opposite. Don't air out your dirty laundry. Your your your. It's like someone's anger, right? So they need, they need to fill a hundred units of anger every day, right? So let it out on your coworkers or your employees or your you know the uh, the guy right who drive like a maniac. But you know your family is your life, right? Mindfulness. <laughs> so so. But take care of your issues. Well, other relationships. Don't. I'm saying the point is, is that you have to figure out a way to address it. So, if you could perfect change your characteristic, great. If you can't, find a way to mask it. Right. I think but the hardest thing is to recognize what your character flaws are. What is? What is? What? I mean, what? I don't know what you mean necessarily when you say like mask it. I feel like the whole like calming yourself down. For some people, it might really be masking it, but I feel like if you really are working on it, you're slowly working towards like overcoming that and making well, being a less person well, a part of your character. And that's where, like, I mean, that's where, like, if you're if you take a, a person who has like a really bad temper, like my thought would be if you're, if, you know, somebody okay. I'm, I'm a really angry person. I have a hot temper. I mean, I can tell. Matthew, like, Matthew, yeah. like, cut me in line at dinner. You know, he cut me in line at dinner, and I blow up. And like, what are you doing? Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, I blow up over something. Okay. So that's day one. Day two, uh, you know, that happens, and I count to ten, and I don't blow up. And that's masking, and then in theory, like down the road, at some point, I'm potentially like, so it's slowly getting less. Yeah, like, 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 it's like improved, it's constantly improved. So it's like you can't get right? less fluid, but you can make it less climactic. Right, like, or like if you're, if you're, and uh, eventually, if you constantly take steps um, or take actions that are against that particular characteristic. It's going, you know, it's going by it's a small piece of the small piece. You're going to mitigate the problem. And it's like compared to like you and your girlfriend fighting before it happens again. It's a little um, bit of a thing. I remember I went to there was this uh, before I got married. So like uh, I met this uh, this guy in I was studying in Jerusalem. So there was this guy 
who um, yeshiva, like there were like three or four thousand married students. And there was this one guy who was like in charge of like, he wasn't in charge, he was like unofficially in charge of when guys had questions about married life, right? If they were getting into fights with their wife, whatever, they would go to him. He was like the, he was like the one-stop shop for all like, you know, you know people knew that if you have like an official position. Not unofficial. Like, like some official. random guy. It was around guy, but he was very skilled at it, okay. and he had lots of experience. So he was a kind of you know you know. But people asked him all kinds of questions, any kind of question you would sure. imagine, right? Uh, so when I when I before I got married, uh, I said, hey, "Come on, let's 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 sit down for a half hour. Give me all the, the all the important thing. You know, when you're married, you want to make sure it works out, right? You know, this is the person I'm going to share the rest of my life with. Tell me what are the what are the key pointers? So what did he tell me? I wasn't sure if he was joking. He started telling me, so I was like, okay, first thing you do is never, ever, ever hit your wife. Like, really? That's anticlimactic, right? I've never hit or hate. Hit. Hit. Like, really? <laughs> right? Right? And then he says, okay, and if you ever want to scream at your wife, first thing you do is you go to the windows and make sure you close all your windows. Because then the neighbors won't hear. <laughs> and maybe it'll take you 10 seconds. It'll take you ten seconds before you, and then you won't. Want and to then stream. maybe you won't want to stream as badly. That's, that, those were like his two things that he told me. I spoke. To, I said other things, but those are what I remember. And to me, to me, what he what he was saying is like it seemed to me that like okay, these things have happened before. I guess, I guess. Uh, but also that yeah, like this would be a way that you have an anger problem or you want to let us some anger. Don't do it. It's bad for your relationship. This is what causes relationships to unravel. Bad character. So are you really addressing your character by taking 10 seconds to go close the window? No, you're not really addressing your character flaw. You're not really facing up and trying to say, okay, how do we bring it down to the points and try to, you know, try to, where does the anger come from? You know, how, you know try, try to really get to the core of your anger issue. But it's not going to be manifest in such a way that will be detrimental to your, to your relationship. Now, uh, but the, I think that the final point has to be is that if you really want to foolproof or troubleshoot a relationship, you have to recognize is that there has to be the element of self-transformation. You have to change your character, right? Especially if there's something that comes up again and again, I, you know, you know, because when you're living a life with someone else in close proximity with someone else, these things are going to you know, they're always going to come to the surface. If you look by yourself, you know, it's, you know, it's you, you and your, it's just, it's just you and yourself, you know, it's, no one else suffers from your, from your, from your uh, misdeeds. But when you're living with someone else, everything, every, every one of your flaws is going to be experienced by the, by your partner. And vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. So the only way to avoid it is the self-transformation. So now, all you said is there's varying degrees of self-transformation. There's varying degrees. Uh, you know, there's total transformation, but there's also ways, the ways to mask it. That's what I have. I actually have um, a... I think that working on it is the general health relation. Whether you totally fix it or mask it, I think just showing that you're working on it will help And I'll tell you even a step further, uh, Matthew. Just recognition of the fact that there's a problem and that's causing like the relationship. Right like twelve steps. Right. Well, twelve steps. Well, I have a four-step program here. Sure. But uh, no. But twelve steps. Is, that's what it is. It's the first step is recognition. 
beats even if it's not your the forefront of your mind, but you know it's your problem, and that's what's causing the breakdown relationship. Right? That's a, right. That's already an element of working on your stubbornness because it's it's on the forefront of your mind. And then you say, okay, fine. I'm going to try to do one thing every day, which is not a stubborn thing. Right? I'm going to try to once a day do something that change my opinion of something. Like you know, be not unstubborn. Is there a word for unstubborn? Destubbornify. Oh, that's stubborn. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, but not stubborn. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do a not stubborn thing every day. And that's that's even better. But just just recognition of that fact that alone is like just. And is it recognition that you have yourself, or you know your partner? I, I you know I'm being so. I like energy? like like you said. The second you bring it out to the, you bring it out to the forefront. Like it'd be easier for you to work on it. Well, then there's always a caveat of them saying, "Oh, you're being stubborn," you know, and just rubbing it into you, and that's. Well, that would be a trade off, but. Now we have um, just to finish off. We have um, a four-step program, which is uh, which we call Chuva, Chuva repentance. You know, this is the time now before Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Um, the themes of, of the high holidays are that of like self-assessment and you know, and where you're holding in life, what are you trying to accomplish in life, what's your relationship. You know, just it's it's like evaluation of, of where you're holding. What are, what are my priorities? And um, the Talmud brings uh, tshuva, the idea of repentance, and it gives you a four-step program. This is what it says. If someone, if someone wants to repent, they have to do four things. So what are these four things? Thing number one, you have to regret what you did. The Talmud might be talking about someone did a sin, so they have to, they have to repent for it. But it, it's the, you know, this is an easily transferable four steps, which should be used towards changing uh, character. So regret, which means you recognize you did something or recognize you are something. And, and you feel bad about it. The next thing is uh, secession of activities that contribute towards that. So, oh my gosh, I recognize I'm a stubborn person. I'm going to stop doing stubborn things. Right? I'm going to stop, you know, try, try to make a, a catalog of things that are stubborn that you do. Try to stop doing that. And the, the next thing is adoption of practices which are contrary to that. You know, which is like, okay, fine, I'm going to start doing X, Y, and Z, which are non-stubborn activities. And the last thing is vidu. What does vidu mean? Vidu means uh, confession. What's the idea of confession? If someone says, okay, I'm leaving this way of life. I regret it. I'm going to start living this way of life. Right? This is a better thing. right? Or I'm going to leave this characteristic. I regret it. It's bad for me. It's bad for my relationship. bad for my life. bad for my health. I'm going to start doing this. What's the idea of confession? What does that add? So I, I think what it is, it's like a concretization of a decision. You're making a decision to do X, Right? Uh, you're making a decision to stop doing X and start doing Y, right? So you take the steps necessary, but then you post it on Facebook, right? Okay, I, I'm uh, I'm unplugging for uh, for two weeks. Every time I open Facebook, someone's unplugging, and right, some people are like, okay, 25 pounds down, 25 to go, right? How many times have we seen that? Every single day. What are they doing? What they're doing is they're putting some skin in the game, right? They're announcing it to the world. They're doing an action that makes this decision makes it. Tangible, makes it real, brings it out into the world. And it has tremendous benefit uh, towards actually hope, you know, that this plan that people set into action uh, will actually be implemented. Right? The second you make a statement, okay, I've decided X, right? And you announce it, or you you, you know you 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 know change a status of like the same kind of space. But um, that is like the cementing of of a decision. Is that what the steps was asking for? Well, that's that's for interpersonal. 
interpersonal. Um, but that, that obviously interpersonal is, is like that as well. That if, you know, if you slight someone or if you steal from someone, right, you can only uh, you can only have you know full repentance if that person uh, forgives you. Right, but if they don't forgive you, you still did enough to... So, what the Talmud says, if someone doesn't forgive you, um, then what you do is you ask them three times, and you ask them sincerely, and say, listen, I made a mistake, and I apologize. And and if they they don't forgive you for three times, then you don't have to ask anymore. But uh, they should forgive you. It's like, it's not, it's, it's, uh, you know, if, if they see that you're sincere, and you really ask them sincerely, and you really regret what you did to them, then they should forgive you. You know, and and so much so that it says that if someone is quick to forgive others for his misdeeds, then the Almighty will be quick to forgive that particular person for his his own. You know, we all have things. We all have skeletons in the closets. We all have things that we did that we regret. We all have you know, mistakes that we made, and we want other people to be able to overlook other people on the Almighty to be able to overlook our misdeeds. Um, so if we are able to overlook others' misdeeds t- towards us, then we'll be treated in, in similar fashion. But I want to just quick, give a quick recap of what I thought um, is a very important skill to learn, and this is my, um, this is how um, I would approach it. Like I said, we're always looking for root causes of breakdown relationship, and we said that relationship crises are a result of character, not circumstance. You know, circumstance could bring something into the forefront; could it could ignite a character flaw that you know that that wasn't present. Uh, that wasn't present in the forefront in the previous scenario, but it was still lingering, it was still, you know, underneath the surface. You could only change yourself, but if you change yourself, uh, you can expect reciprocation. That's all, that's all you know, because like we said, people are in a, you know, people are invested in a relationship. Everyone wants it to really work, but people are fearful to take the first step. Right? You take the first step, you'll expect reciprocation. And the importance of that, of momentum and trends in relationships. The way they work is with trends, right? When it, when it, when it's good, they're each they're, they you know they each give up a little bit of their own identity. They each you know try to help the you know the, the the unit become more of a unit, and they each do things that are beneficial for the relationship. And when it's bad, everyone's thinking of ways to make the other one's life miserable, and you know people antagonistic, and it you know, gets it gets uh, uh, it compounds it compounds it gets worse and worse. Uh, the only way to really truly change. Uh, or to make your relationship foolproof is to self-transformation. I gave one way to do it, the four-step program. I think there's other ways to We could say this is really a separate topic. How do you change yourself? Uh, you know, this obviously there's multiple le- levels of how you change yourself. There's self-masking. Right? You could just cover up. You can cover up, which which is important. Uh, just and even we said like even just recognition of the fact that there's a flaw is in itself a step towards uh, rectifying it. Well, uh, it's like you said, like when. Decide with somebody to be serious. You, you should want to work on your character flaws. And if you get a relationship, if it's not well, that's that's kind of the price of admission. That's that's kind of the price of admission. Anytime there's a relationship, I've said this before, so I don't want to get too deep into it. There's every time there's a relationship, there's always you're always giving up something, right? Because two becoming one. Or it, it's a change in identity, so you're always going to have to give up something. That's the price of admission. Uh, that's you know, but but like we said, to maintain it, and with all the new things that people encounter in their lives, there will have to be more sacrifices because otherwise, a relationship will come untenable because of that, because of those characteristics. Like I said, and I gave one 
proposed this particular apropos, the idea of repentance, you know, the four steps of repentance. I said there's the 12 steps is also a tremendous way where people can actually, you know, face up to their, their, their problem and, you know, fix them. Uh, but there are other ways. Like I said, that's, you know, there's, there's, you know, more complex and sophisticated ways and less complex ways to do it. There's cover up. And like I said, this, I just feel like I said, like I said, I feel like I said, like I said, like eight times in the past minute. And there's the three relations that they encounter. I think, I really think that even, we don't think of the idea of man with oneself as a relationship. Because we're so, we're so ex, externally, outwardly focused. But I think that even, you know, even in this relationship, th- these principles would apply. You know, the people have, to get to know your real self, it's like you have to, you have to reformat the way you think about life and how you think about yourself. And that's all, you know, the, the, the obstacles in the way are, are once again your character flaws. Is it possible, or, or do, do any of those three relationships take precedence over the other in terms of importance? Everyone has to develop their own system of importances, you know. Um, and we say during the the, the prayer of uh, Shabbat morning, we say this world is. Uh, There's no one who has this va- has this value like you, the Almighty, in this world. And my grandfather, blessed memory. Uh, he uh, he would say that this world we have the ability to prioritize. Everyone can choose what's more important, uh, what's the most important thing I mean, in their lives. Tons of different conflicts are, are Yeah, but the question is, what ultimately you have to the decisions that we make are based on the priorities that we have. So um, what we say is that the most important thing in the world is God. He has to be the ultimate priority. Because otherwise, if something else has a higher priority than God, that's what we call idolatry. That's the definition of idolatry. Right? Something supersedes God. Something supersedes God. So, um, you know, but everyone, this is, this is the, you know, in this world, we are each granted with the opportunity to make, you know, make the list of priorities. And everyone has the ability to prioritize for themselves. And that's and that's an ability that humans have. It's uniquely human function. Now. Huh? Man and God. Well, that's what the Torah would advocate, but doesn't mean that people have to follow that. People are, people are able to make decisions based upon well, free choice, right? Right. I think they're all interconnected, anyways. Yeah, it's absolutely. Uh, you know, but uh, absolutely, but. You know, like I said, in the deep, a deep level, we talk about idolatry. No one is really bowing down to uh, golden castle. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but what, but it still exists. The idea of what what are your priorities in life? What's the most important thing? What's the what's non negotiable in your life? If you know, so if God is a priority, great. If there's something else which is a higher priority than that, well, how could it be something that's a higher priority than God? That's that's but that's the definition of idolatry. But, but like I said, uh, ultimately this is in the hands of every person to make that decision. And that's all I've got. Hope everyone enjoyed. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's good? Desmond, you were so quiet the whole time. Well, sir.